Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. I was at the women's basketball, Cajun women's basketball game last night. Really bad first quarter. Not a very good first half. Much better in the second half. They ended up winning by 31. They were playing without both of their two starting point guards uh, or two point guards that they utilize. And one was in concussion protocol and the other had a death in the family. So um, it wasn't supposed to be pretty, but it was really ugly at times. Uh, during the game, and and we'll see. They don't have a game for nine, ten more days, and they start conference play, and they don't look like they're ready for conference play. But maybe they'll surprise us. We will, we will see. So I mean, I say that to say that I missed. I I didn't see. I don't know two plays maybe of the of the Packers. I listened to a little bit on the radio after the game. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see much of the game. The final score was closer than I re- I really thought the Packers would handle the Rams. With that said, I go back to something I said last week. This idea that we have that these teams just tank it, I just don't think that happens very often. Like, look at the Rams. Like, they had no reason to even be competing well. You know, you know the Falcons on eh, there's still some reason but there are teams that play like look at the Texans I mean the Texans are miserable they've had a miserable season they're not very talented and yet they just took the Cowboys and the Chiefs to the wire the Cowboys and the Chiefs took both of them to the wire in December, when they have zero to play for. So I, I think we all get too caught up sometime in this, oh, so-and-so's terrible, they're going to get killed, they're going to tank it, they don't. I just, I don't think that happens. I'm not saying it never happens, but I don't think it happens nearly as often as many of our perceptions are that it's going to happen. That uh, a lot of these really bad teams, even with nothing to play for late in the season, they still play, and and you know there's probably less pressure on them, so maybe they're even more dangerous than some you know one of these teams that's got a lot of pressure on it, like the Jets right now. It's got a lot of pressure on it, trying to make the playoffs. Um, and so you know we'll see how that plays out. But uh, they ended up covering the spread, but I really thought that they would um, it would be worse. The Packers, what was the score? 24 to 12. You don't see that kind of score very often, 12. But it was, um, you know, the Packers 
did what the Saints did the last couple of weeks. You uh, you got a chance to put a game away and totally put it on ice, and you fumble the football. It's just it it it, it can be very frustrating for sure. But so we're down to a week, and we'll uh, you know we'll we'll see how if the Saints can stay alive, and we'll. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Eagles do with the Cowboys. According to reports, Jalen Hurts is injured. Doesn't sound like he's going to play Saturday. Um, From a Saints perspective, it's interesting. You really need the – if the Eagles can win – Um, if the Eagles can win, then, you know, that's even better for the Saints because if they can have the number one seed and rest Jalen Hurts, then, I mean, that, I mean, the Saints might actually have a fighting chance to beat the Eagles. If there's no Jalen Hurts and they have the number one seed clinched, then they might actually have a chance to win that game, which, which, you know, if he plays and they haven't clinched, then it's an unwinnable game. But if he doesn't play and they've got number one clinched, then it, then it becomes winnable. Um, so that, you know, again, for the Saints have to beat the Browns. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't think they're going to beat the Browns. I don't see how. I mean, maybe at home. I don't see how they're going to go up to Cleveland and play a physical line of scrimmage football team and beat them on the line of scrimmage. Now, with that said, they went to Cheetoville and they played a physical line of scrimmage football team and they played well. I don't know where that came from. I don't know how that happened, but, but I saw it. I mean, it happened. So... Maybe they'll, you know, whatever they did in Cheaterville, they can do in, in Cleveland and, and maybe win. I mean, I really, I don't expect to win. I, I don't think they match up that well with this team. Plus, the Browns have owned the Saints since I was, you know, 10. They have always owned the Saints. And so, it it's um, going back to the 70s. So, no, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel, um too good about that game but since we're just playing out the string if they would happen to beat the Browns and again I don't think that's going to happen but if the bet that you know the best case scenario is somehow the Eagles win and they don't play Hurts the, the following week and then the Saints might actually have a chance to win that game that would be a switch I mean I don't expect any of that to happen I mean, you know, when the schedule came out, I'm like, oh, they're going to lose to the Browns. They're going to lose to the Eagles. L, L. <laughs> and now they're in a position where they got to win both of those games to even have a remote chance of a miracle comeback. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about a miracle. <laughs> Beating the Browns and the Eagles. That's miracle stuff there. Anyway. So any thoughts you have on the NFL, bowl games, 
Uh, we will be speaking with Cody Juno uh, in a little, little over an hour from now. We'll t- look a little closer into the Cajuns bowl situation against Houston in the Independence Bowl on Friday. You know, they're still saying, you know, the temperatures are going to be like highs in the mid-20s, lows like 9, wind chill on the 0 to 1 to 2 range. Just Wow. You know, I you know I don't know how players I don't know how players I, I don't even know how anybody does anything in that kind of weather. But anyway, you know the wind is an interesting thing, and we'll get into that with Cody. The Cajuns will probably, almost assuredly, be more dependent on the ground game than Houston will. Houston is a passing team now. When I say they're a passing team, doesn't mean they throw deep all the time. Their top receiver is more of a little guy that you throw it to and he runs. Like breaks tackles and you and you get him, they throw it to him on the run and he goes. It's not like he catches a bunch of deep passes. So maybe the win won't play a bit as big a factor, but you're still throwing the football. And if it's that windy and freezing, could have a negative impact and that could help the Cajuns. So we'll see how um how that plays out. I mean, it's just no way. It's just a big guessing game. Like, there's no way to know that. Also, in the middle of this crazy week, as we prepare for Christmas this weekend, and we've got a bowl game on Friday, and the Cajuns will play a basketball game to the men tomorrow night in Austin against the Longhorns. And speaking of that, uh, in a couple, in about 20 or minutes or so, we'll be speaking with UL assistant the uh, well, director of operations, assistant coach uh, Mike Murphy. So we'll be talking to him about the Texas matchup uh, later in this hour. But um, tomorrow's National Signing Day, or the first of two versions of National Signing Day. And the way it's kind of worked out of late is that um, is that the first signing day is where the vast majority of players end up signing. Now, not all of them. Some of them wait. Some of them are holding out. Hopefully they get late offers or they're just genuinely undecided or for whatever reason, they just want to, it doesn't work out. Maybe they're on the road for the holidays. I mean, who knows? So there's all kind of personal reasons why someone might wait um, until February. The Cajuns, it's starting to look like the Cajuns are going to sign as many as about 22. I mean, last week, the numbers you were hearing were like 18 or 19. It was looking more like 18 or 19. And now it, it, it it's closer to like 21, 22 that they might be signing. Now, again, that, that might, you know, stuff that you, little reports you get. That doesn't mean the kids are going to actually sign. There's always a handful here, not a first school, but a handful uh, here and there that, you know, they change their mind for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, we'll wait and see. Tomorrow it'll become official sometime, I don't know, tomorrow afternoon or so, you know. Hopefully most of them get it done in the morning. But... But, but it looks like about 21 or 22, 
the Cajuns will be signing. And a lot of those are offensive linemen, wide receivers, defensive linemen. Now, there's other positions as well, but those were the three areas that they really needed an influx of talent in. So if you look at the commitment list, many of them, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, slash edge rushers. I mean, some of, you know, the whole edge thing, some of them become defensive linemen and some of them are more outside linebackers. That can be, you know, depends on what happens when they get here and what and how they look and what their needs are and, you know, all that. But edge rushers slash defensive linemen, offensive linemen and wide receivers. And that's kind of um, what a lot of the focus is. A couple running backs. Um, some of them have had fabulous seasons at the high school level, and so we'll see how they translate to, to, to the college level. And um, we'll see how that plays out in terms of the Cajuns running back core for next year. You know, it turned out to be pretty different because Kentrell got hurt in, in the last report. He, he, you know, his rehab hasn't gone as well as they'd like, so as they had hoped. So we'll see how the running back situation. But, no, it's going to be – that the expectations, you know, are heavy offensive line, heavy defensive line, heavy wide receiver, and that's good because they need help in all those areas, no question. Uh, the offensive line was early on was a major issue, just had too much turnover from last year, and it took a long time. Took about four or five games before the offensive line was really any kind of a unit that they could win with consistently. And uh, it down the stretch did pretty well, but it just took a while. And defensive line, the attrition continues. And, uh, you know, we'll see how, if they can add enough going into next year. Uh, that's the plan anyway. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with one more. And then, again, we'll be talking Cajun basketball with uh, Coach Murphy in about 20 minutes or so. And then in the next hour, we'll talk more Cajun football with Cody Juno, who I'm sure has been – following the weather reports even in Shreveport on Friday even closer than me because he's going to be on the sideline. I told him, don't fall, Cat, because I don't know how you're going to get up with all that clothes on. Anyway, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time, okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. We want to remind you about the Hangout Music Fest. Yes, while we're freezing to death this week, we can kind of daydream about the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama in May. May the 19th through the 21st. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas X, and more. 
the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. would like to for you to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Fest. That will afford you access to viewing areas, exclusive viewing areas, stage sites, pools, hot tubs, gourmet food. The Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Again, if you would like to get in the game hotline, uh, this is one of the best times to do so in today's show, 706-0111. Let's go to the hotline. Hello. Merry Christmas, Darefoot. Merry Christmas, sir. How are you? How have you been? Oh, I'm hanging in there, man. I'm hanging. I saw all my Red Sox. They made a signing instead of getting rid of everybody the other day. But does it help them? I don't think so. But anyway, I got to address something that that uh, that I heard on the radio this morning. You checked on your guy, Paul, lately? Oh, yeah. You know, Paul, Paul's he's been delusional for a while, and it just continues. But that's okay. I, we love him anyway. I, I, I think he's off his medicine, and I think all this cold weather has made him even more loopy. He's saying that Zion quit on the Pelicans. Come on, man. But this man this man doesn't can't accept the fact that everywhere that LeBron went, he's quit on every team he's went to. Every team he's went to, he he he's quit on them. Zion got Zion got hurt, but he's still with the same team. He never quit the team. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean I well... Why? But why is it? Why are we even discussing that right now? Like, what? It was brought up this morning, and 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 you know he he he's all over LeBron, and he say he's a Tar Heels fan, you know, and but he but um he 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 supports uh, Brandon Ingram, you know, but Brandon Ingram from Duke, you know. I just think he he going loopy, you know, but he is a Yankees fan. But but I want to wish him to a Merry Christmas. He's still my buddy. I'm going to try and help that man as much as I can, you know, turn him into maybe a Red Sox fan or Astros fan. But I, I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and you too, have a sir. good one, buddy. Same, you too, sir. Thank you. Uh, the Pelicans lost, what is that, four in a row last night, 128-119 to the Bucks. I mean, Giannis had 42 points. I mean, it's not like the Buck, the, the Pelicans are not the first or the last team that's going to get victimized by a great Giannis performance. But but Zion had 18 points and and uh, seven rebounds. Did not have a great game and was under 50 percent for the field. I think it was seven of 16 from the field. Uh, the big center had a huge night: 37 points, 18 rebounds, and five assists. And McCollum did well, but uh, Zion did not do what he has been doing. And they lost to a really good team. I mean, it, you know, it it happens. They lost to the Suns, the Jazz, and the Bucks. Uh, the the Jazz twice in this little recent skid, but it's um. I mean, you don't want it to last too long, but it's you know it's not like all those teams you combine all their records they're pretty good record, but you know sometimes you you um you go through those kind of stretches in the season and it's not even Christmas yet, so I wouldn't worry too much, but yeah, it was um sure it took a little of the of the kind of the starch away from. But, you know, for a while there, the Pelicans were on a really big roll, and uh, they've kind of hit a little skid. So I'm sure they'll get out of it sooner than later. We will we, we, we will see. All right. One thing I didn't know until I looked it up during the break, because, again, I, all, I'm normally a big schedule watcher and in the, in the past, and I am um, – 
I've admitted that it's a problem that I have as a sports fan. It's not a good thing. Um, but this year, because of just uh, as bad as the Saints season has gone, and as disgusted as I am, depressed as I am about it, I haven't even really looked at this schedule. So this weekend, the first time I looked at this schedule was during the last break, and I didn't realize that, I don't know, I had it in my mind that, on, that everybody was playing Saturday, but that's not true. Just in case you haven't, you're like me and you haven't looked at the weekend schedule, there's a Thursday game like normal, the Jags at the Jets. Interesting game. Because the Jags have been winning some games lately, if you hadn't noticed. And, you know, they could still theoretically win their division. The Jets have really been struggling. They, they're, they're a good young team. They play really good defense. They've got some serious quarterback questions and issues and injuries. And, you know, they've, they're on a little losing streak right now. But they're playing at home against the Jags, who are going to be coming off this big comeback win over the Cowboys. So... I kind of like the Jets' chances in that unless the quarterback situation continues to just, you know, Zach Wilson can't have much confidence right now. And being a Thursday game, I don't know that White's going to be able to play. And so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with, with, with the Jets there. But the thing that I didn't realize is there were three games on Sunday. I don't know. I don't quite understand that. I don't know. I guess they got one in each time spot. So I guess they wanted to make sure that you had as much NFL as possible. You got the Packers and the Dolphins at noon. I did not know that. The Broncos and the Rams. Could the Broncos win two in a row? Got a good shot. Rams are not very good. Anytime you're playing a team with Baker Mayfield on the other side, you got a pretty good chance to win. Uh, So... The Broncos play the Rams at 3.30. I did not realize that. That's going to – That's gonna. I don't know that my wife realized that. That's going to kind of alter our normal Christmas Day plans a little bit. Normally opening presents right around then. Might have to open presents a little bit before that. So we'll see. And then the Yucks play the Cardinals at 7.20. I, I mean, the Yucks are not good, but the Cardinals are really not good. They were down to Trace McSorley on Sunday. I don't, you know, I don't know. If the Saints have a miracle win over the Browns, and again, I don't think that's going to happen. But if they do, then I guess we'll be pulling for the Cardinals. I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how they're going to win because they're not, they're really limping to the finish line. But, and they're at home and the Cardinals never win a home game. Like, it's unbelievable how few home games the Cardinals have won in the last two seasons. Like, I don't know exactly what that stat is, but the Cardinals have not won very many home games the last two seasons, other than the Saints, that Saints game, which was, again, the Saints weren't even fielding a team. Now, now, if they're at, that, that game looked like a flag football game. That's what that looked. That was an awful exhibition of football. I mean, just awful. Just. That was not an NFL football game. That was That was awful. But anyway. Everyone else besides the four games I just mentioned are Saturday. But I did not realize there were three Sunday games. And there's a Monday night game. The Chargers at the Colts. Like, how do you rebound 
I see, and that makes no sense. The that's what I hate about the NFL. I just they have zero sense of fairness, zero. So like the the Colts played last Saturday. They played on Saturday. So if there's anyone that shouldn't be playing the Monday game, it's a team that played last Saturday. Like this just is it's just common sense. Like why should, if you're going to pick someone to play on Monday night this time of the year, why would you pick someone who played the previous Saturday? They just, they don't do anything right, the NFL. Or, or I should put it this way, anything, the, their sense of fairness, again, like I've said, they don't care about fairness. So it's easy to be unfair when it's not a, a, an objective for you. But it's just ridiculous. And again, when I complain about this, it has, to do with, it has nothing to do with this thing. It's right is right. Fair is fair. Logic is logic. But, but besides all of that, if you're the Colts, how do you bounce back from 33 to nothing down? I mean, up and you lose. And then you get the news that your best player, your run, star running back's out for the rest of the season. Oh. You know, it's amazing. When, you know, they had Peyton Manning all those years, had a lot of success. And, and then – Luck came along. They had that one year where they tanked it, and they got luck, and everybody says, look, it worked. It was worth tanking. They're going to go from Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame quarterback, to another Hall of Fame quarterback, and all he did was get injured, and then he retired at an early age, and, and, and think about it. If you're a Colts fan, a year or two into the Luck era, you were thinking, man, we went from Peyton Manning to Luck, and we are in we are in great shape for the future. Luck gets hurt, then he retires, and they've tried retread after retread after retread, and none of them have worked. And I, I look, I was wrong. I really thought Matt Ryan would play well. I thought Matt Ryan would play at least as good as Rivers did his year and maybe a little better and he has been awful. I I man, and look, I don't care anything about the Colts. I think they have awesome uniforms. And I don't hate the Colts. The whole the Colts and the Bills are I mean the Colts have never really done anything to the Saints. So I, I really I have nothing against the Colts at all. But um you know, they're a team I just I've had very little to no hate for. And so um, over the years, and so, you know, I, I don't have any problem if the Colts have some success, but, but man, they are, that, that is, and I don't know how you come bounce back from that. I really, 33, of course we said, I've said it before, it's, one, it's, it's arguably the most underrated win in Saints history in 1980. The Saints were 0-13. Drugs, a serious drug problem. You want to talk about tanking it. They were 0-13. They went to Cheaterville. 
Cheeto Stick Park. They were up 35 to 7 at the half and got beat 38 35 to drop to 0 and 14. That's in that's in Cheeto Stick on the Pacific. The next week, this awful drug impaired football team then went to Shea Stadium, that's the Atlantic, across the country and won 21 20. My man Jimmy Rogers scored the game winning touchdown. So, again, I say that because, look, the Saints were miserable. They blew a 35 7 lead, which is about 33 to nothing. It's pretty close. 35 7, 33 nothing is pretty close. They blew it, and then they had to come all the way home and then go all the way to the other side of the country and won the next week to move to 1 and 14 <laughs> and avoided being the first winless team. So it can happen. Teams can bounce back. I don't know how. I'm sure there's a lot of fans in the Indianapolis area that have not bounced back for sure. All right, we'll do this. We'll take a timeout. Shift gears, talk Cajun basketball with UL Director of Ops, Coach Mike Murphy, next. Stay tuned. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip Brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us UL Men's Basketball Director of Operations, Coach Mike Murphy. How are you, sir? I'm great, Kevin. Thank you. How are you? Oh, pretty good. It is uh, a little chilly. I know you're a person who has spent lots of time in the northern part of the country growing up there, and so that you probably like this weather, don't you? I don't know if I like it, but I'm, but I'm used to it. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, I've been in the South a long time, so my blood has gotten considerably thinner. Um, <laughs> but But back in the day, this this wouldn't be a big deal. You see people out running in t-shirts and shorts. Oh man, 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 man. I, I will. I can I, remember I, I cat crack practices when I was in high school, and literally, you know, if it was in the if it was in the high forties, you know, you seriously, you'd see guys running out in t-shirts and shorts. You had crack practice outside. Every now and then, you might get some guy who's not real tough wearing a long sleeve shirt, and we give him hell all day about it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to prove you were a man, right? Yeah, right. Now you were a basketball stupid player. Stupid is a stupid does. <laughs> so, so you were a basketball player. Did y'all play outdoor basketball in this stuff? I'm sure you did. Well, yeah. Listen now, there were sometimes you'd be out shooting and um, playing one on one, two on two, and if it was raining, you wouldn't be outside. But if it was, if you couldn't get into a gym because things back then weren't weren't like they are now. You had a hard time getting into a gym. Matter of fact, you had to come to some sort of agreement with your high school coach or the guy that used to open up the armory for you, and you tell him, hey, listen, I'll stop trying to break in if you give me a key, and I'll make sure I shut the lights off. Yeah. And, um, you know, they eventually would do that. Um, but every now and then you'd have to play outside. And, yeah, it, it uh, as long as it wasn't raining, uh, for sure, you'd be outside in, in pretty much all, all types of uh, temperatures, hot and cold, as long as it wasn't raining. <laughs> 
All righty. So it was, uh, I thought, a very good game last this past Thursday against McNeese, and you and you you gutted it out, and 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 you got a win. And I gotta believe, you know, it's always a little bit tricky to play a game this close to Christmas, but it seems like your guys have pretty good leadership and focus. I think so, and you're right. This is always a difficult time of year because you're, you're, you're at the end of the semester, finals are over, and uh, guys are looking forward, as they should, to going home and spending some time with their friends and family around Christmas. And to be honest with you, I wish we would put a moratorium where you couldn't play for like eight days, you know? Yes. And, um, but I don't, I don't do that. Division Two does that. I think they have like a 10-day window where they cannot play over Christmas. I wish we had that. We don't. But um, it can be a tricky time. It uh, doesn't matter if you're on the road or if you're at home. And the one thing I used to do when I was a head coach, I would schedule our the last game of the first semester, I would try to schedule it so I could practice the next day and then send them home. Because I used to threaten them all the time, I'd cancel Christmas. And um, it, was, uh, it was kind of interesting because I told them, hey, listen, guys, I need you focused on this game not on what you're going to do 48 hours, 48 hours from now. So what right. I would do is we would always have a practice after our last game of the first semester. Now, having said that, the last game of the first semester would be like on the 20th, right? So we'd practice the morning of the 21st, and guys just understood that. And those practices used to be really, really good because guys were excited to get home, and we'd get them on the road by noon. And it just seemed to work out. It seemed to keep their focus. But it can be tricky, but it is what it is. You just have to make the best of it. I know this much, you better come ready to play on Wednesday because the team we're playing is really, really good. All right, exactly. That was my next um, point. You're going to play the Texas Longhorns. You know, they're a top 10, top 5 team ranked nationally. And and they, you know, the it's been a while since the Cajuns played Texas, and yet it has not been all that long since you played a team coached by the guy who put this team together. Now, we all know the story by now that – he got into some legal issues, and he and, and he's currently away from the team, suspended from the team. But the makeup of the team is his, and he's always been a good defensive coach. A great defensive coach. Uh, they, they Not good, but great. Yeah. And, and they play really hard. They play hard consistently as long as they have to, as long as the game goes 40 minutes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, it doesn't matter. As a group, they take charges. They crash the boards. They do all those little things. That, that, that make you a great team. And, and he had those same type of teams at Little Rock. And, um, you know, we used to have great battles with them. And there's a great deal of respect between these two programs, between these two head coaches. I know Coach Marlin, um, you know, has, has, has a great deal of respect for, for what Coach Beard has done in the game of basketball. Um, the latest episode, you know, set aside. But in terms of the basketball end of it and the way his team's played, and these teams have – continue to do this now they've had two games uh without coach beard being on the sideline they've won both and um nothing has changed in terms of their physical makeup or their toughness or how they're going to approach the game now how are they um i mean you know in terms of the shooting and turnovers and you know i mean every team has a some things that they don't do quite as well as whatever their calling card is which is defense for this team so how would you uh, kind of gauge them in those other areas well geez you hate to say there's a weakness anywhere now they're only shooting around 31 percent from the three-point line but having said that they've got three guys 
that that could go off at any time. Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, and Jabari Rice, you know, are all shooting 35, 33, 35%, and roughly, you know, a third of their shots, in some cases maybe a little bit less than half, come from the three-point line. So they're very capable from the three-point line. Um, having said that, they only shoot 31% of the three-point line. They're only allowing their opponents to shoot 29%. So even though they're not shooting the great from the arc, they're defending the arc really, really well. The other thing they do is they take care of the basketball. They, they have 180 assists on the year compared to 114 turnovers. And conversely, you know, they've forced 185 turnovers and only allowed 102 assists. So, you know, they're, they're just a really well-balanced team. They have three guys that score in double figures, really a fourth. Uh, Timmy Allen averages nine points a game. and They've got great balance, great toughness. Uh, I don't know that there's a weak link in their, in their chain, but sometimes they do struggle from the three-point line. But having said that, I want to ca- caveat that. Having said that, they've got three guys that can, that can go off if you're not there and have a hand in their face and pushing them off their spot. And then they make it really tough for you to get shots off or to get quality shots off in the arc. So this is going to be a challenge. Now, how much of their pressure defense is full court? Because y'all have done a really good job against that. And we talked about that the previous weekend against Sanford. Y'all did a really good job uh, with that. But they had a few turnover issues in Lake Charles. Yeah, we did, and and I think that's more, that was because of us. Now, now, all the credit goes to McNeese. They had a great grand game plan. They play really hard. We've got a lot of respect for that program. Um, but we got in a hurry when we didn't have to get be in a hurry. And right. we sped ourselves up as opposed to McNeese speeding us up. And we committed some, some I want to say, soft turnovers. It really wasn't caused because of their pressure, but we were out in the break, and we were trying to do too much with the basketball. Having said that, now, Texas really basically forces teams into about 19 turnovers a game. And, you know, they're only committing 10. You know, that's an issue. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that's something we've got to be really cognizant of because they will pressure. And they'll pressure in the full court, but they're really tough in the half court. They want to push you off their spot. They're going to make it hard for you to catch the ball. You know, they're not going to let you score from where you want to score. So you've got to be very patient. You've got to be strong with the ball. You've got to protect the ball. And you've got to make easy passes. Don't force action. But when you have a chance to make a play, you better darn well make it, uh, take advantage of it uh, because it may not come around again uh, very easily. So taking care of the basketball will be a premium tomorrow in terms of our success against their pressure. In other words, in a time of the year where players' minds might be tempted to wander just a little bit, you're going to be playing a, a team whose makeup will require as much focus as you've had all year. Little, sounds a little tricky. Yeah, yeah. If, if your mind's going to wander, you're going to wander right off the edge of the building. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to have a problem if you're not if you're not locked in and focused on every possession. They're going to take advantage of that. Now, conversely, I think we do the same thing. You know, we've been really good, like you said, uh, for the most part in terms of, you know, taking care of the basketball and, and taking what teams give us. We've shot a really good percentage from the floor, a really good percentage from the three-point line. So our strengths are going to go up against their strengths, our ability to shoot the basketball from the arc and inside the arc. And then their strength is taking that shot away from the arc and making you take a low percentage shot inside the arc. So it's going to be our strength versus their strength who executes the best, who's the most efficient, and who's, I I think, the most locked in 
in terms of four-minute games, because I think this is what this is really going to come down to, Kevin. It's a series of four-minute games. When can you get to that next media timeout to see where you're at offensively and defensively? And if we're able to do that, you give yourself a chance to win, because I, I, this is going to be a battle on both sides. You know, we're going to give them all they want to give us, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm kind of excited for the challenge. Now, what about the the uh, post defense with, with such a good inside score that you have in Jordan? What, what do you see from them there? Well, they're gonna. I, I would I would think that they're gonna double Jordan. He's gonna see a lot of double teams, and when that happens, he's got to get rid of the ball quickly. And we've got to be cognizant of when that double team comes. We've got to cut to the basket. We've got to fill in behind the cutter. So we create an option for Jordan to throw it to a cutter or throw behind the cutter to a space that's open on the perimeter. Because when you cut against the team that traps. What you're forcing is the defense to kind of lock in on that cutter because they don't want to give anything up at the basket, and you create a hole on the perimeter, and you got to find that hole. So it's going to be important that Jordan is strong with the ball. He recognizes where he's at on the floor, where the pressure's coming from. A lot of times they'll come from the baseline side as opposed to the top side. So when he turns baseline, he's got to be careful that he doesn't pick up a charge or hand them the ball. And then we've got to do our job, the other four guys, in making themselves available as receivers by cutting to the basket, filling in behind the cut, finding that open space, and be a willing receiver, giving Jordan an outlet for when he does receive pressure. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. And the good news is you're going to be indoors, unlike the football team on Friday, which will be outdoors in temperatures that could be zero wind chill like you used to experience as a youngster. Listen, I tell these people this all the time. My son played baseball, so I've been sitting outside and – heat, cold, rain, snow, whatever. And I'm like, thank God we have an indoor sport because it could be miserable at times, that's for sure. We want to wish the football team the best of luck up in Shreveport. They've got a good opponent in Houston, and um, I know they'll come back with with a hard-fought victory. We're going to try to do the same, and we want to wish everybody, you and your family especially, Kevin, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you, sir. Thank you for your time as always. Y'all be safe. You got it, brother. Go, Caden. All right. Coach Mike Murphy. Love talking to him. Does a great job. Appreciate his time as always. We'll come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Go in to get that. That was that was well timed. That was good. She's good. I was at my brother's house over the weekend and uh or one of my brothers and uh always have a little when we get around, you know, since the time we were they can even remember. When we get around together, it's it's always the Jackson Five Christmas album. So I appreciate that. Kind of, kind of, um, little nostalgic. I can I can just I can just still picture it. You know, being on Christmas vacation in the afternoon, December the twenty seventh, watching the Sun Bowl about one thirty start in the afternoon, listening to the Jackson Five Christmas album. I can. I can still, I can still picture it. It was fun. I mean, the bowls were fun back then, and I know now most of us have. Got, if it's not our team, we get kind of jaded. You know, there weren't as many bowls back then, so they were a treat. I mean, I can remember what around the twenty eighth, we they'd be the the Gator Bowl on in the evening, and you know the Sun Bowl was always an afternoon game in El Paso, and so you. Bowl games, you know, and back in the 70s when I was young, I mean, they, they they were a treat. I mean, and then, you know, January 1st was just, you had the Cotton Bowl in the morning and then 
about 11, and then you had the Sugar Bowl at 1, and the, and the, and the Rose Bowl at 3.45. I don't know why, but it was always 3.45 start, and then the, and then the Orange Bowl with its big old halftime extravaganza at about 7 or 7.30, and so it was just... I mean, just tremendous. And and again, the older you get, look, some and you know, with so many bowls now, it's just not quite the same. Unless it's your team, obviously, it's important uh, that you follow, or you know, the playoffs. So it, it, it's just, I don't know that it's quite as magical as it used to be. The whole bowl things, but I certainly remember uh, growing up how much fun all the all the bowls were. And I tell you what. Sat Friday's game for the Cajuns could be very memorable. Hopefully, look, if you're going to freeze to death, you might as well win, right? I mean, if they can win, I mean, if you win and you freeze to death, then it becomes this, you know, badge of courage. But if you lose and you freeze to death, it becomes, you know, not the greatest memory you've ever had <laughs> in terms of what you're doing. So hopefully... The Cajuns can get a win, and and you know we're we're fretting about the weather, and I think with good reason. But like I kind of hit me, you know, earlier in the show, uh, the weather might could maybe could benefit the Cajuns. So we'll see how that plays out. That's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Again, simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706. 0111. If you would like to get in now, is a great time to do it. We'll be speaking with Cody Juno, probably about weather a lot, but about the Cajuns versus Houston as well and the matchup on Friday in Shreveport, two o'clock Independence Bowl. And uh, you know, I was talking about bowls, a little nostalgia in the uh, to end the first hour, and the bowl season is gone. Once again, pretty well for the Sun Belt. I don't, uh, I mean, you say, well, they just put more emphasis on it than other teams. Okay, I don't, I don't know, I guess. But for whatever reason, the Sun Belt, in, for a while now, they do very well in bowl games. In fact, if you go back, I, I forget the exact statistic. It's like the last five years or six years or something like that. They have the best bowl winning percentage of any conference in America, the Sun Belt. And again, I'm not saying they're beating, you know, elite, like top 10 teams, but they're beating pretty good teams or they wouldn't be in bowls. At, I mean, they're at least pretty good from comparable conferences, from the American and the Conference USA, the MAC, et cetera. Troy beat, um, won 18 to 12 in its bowl game. Southern Miss against UAB, that it was. Uh, Southern Miss, oh, wait, that wasn't UAB. 
Uh, Southern Miss beat Rice 38-24. Marshall beat UConn 28-14. So again, it was um it's a good start for the for for the Bulls. Um uh UTSA, that's who it was. Texas San Antonio. That's who Troy beat. 18 to 12. And again, Southern Miss won big. Marshall won by two touchdowns. And um Tomorrow night in New Orleans, South Alabama will play Western Kentucky. And, you know, South Alabama started out really well. Down the stretch, their defense didn't play as good as it was early on. So who knows what's going to happen in that matchup. By the way, that matchup starts at 9 o'clock. So if you're up late, kids don't have school, whatever, um, you know, you'll have some football to watch tomorrow night. The game starts at 9. So if the Cajuns were in the New Orleans Bowl, we'd be complaining about how late the start is going to be. In the Independence Bowl, it's a great start time, 2 o'clock. But the weather, eh, not as good as it's going to be inside the Dome. Now, with that said, some of us have frozen to death in the Dome before, media members especially, because they got the, the press box up there by the ceiling. And it is cold in the Dome. Like, if you don't dress properly, because you have this in, 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 in your mind that you're going indoors, and it's, you know, 72 degrees. Well, it's not 72 degrees in the press box. I don't know where it is anywhere else, but it ain't 72 degrees. You can freeze to death in that press box. In the, um, even before they moved the media press box into the ceiling of the dome, I can remember back in what was that, 1988? I mean, that's a long time ago. Sitting next to a guy from the Philadelphia paper, the Saints were playing the Eagles on Monday night. And, uh, well, two things I remember about that game. One, the Eagle guy was like, he was like, you know, something made some sort of comment like how bad do I think the Eagles are going to beat the Saints and I'm like the Eagles are not going to win this game I don't really see them winning this game and uh, the Saints won 30 to 20 as I remember correctly but um, but the other thing the guy said from the Philadelphia paper sitting next to me was that he goes man I've been an outdoor in Philly before it wasn't this cold in an outdoor press box man I'm freezing so it can be cold in the dome if you don't dress properly. Now, most of us, I would think, who are going to Shreveport or planning to go to Shreveport Friday are going to be dressed properly, so we're probably going to be sweating in the press box. Cody will be on the ground. He will not be sweating. And we'll be talking with Cody about that and many other things in, um, in the next segment. So, Again, if you would like to get in, now's the time to do that. 706-0111, 706-0111. I got to tell you, I don't, tomorrow night is going to be a long, tomorrow's going to be a long day. So I don't know if I'm going to, I doubt very seriously I make it to the end of this New Orleans Bowl, to be honest with you. But I could see that, that South Alabama-Western Kentucky game matchup's pretty, pretty interesting to me. I, I think that'd be, that'll be one of the better matchups and then, of course, the Cajuns play Friday on the 27th. You've got, which is a couple days after Christmas, obviously, and that'll be, what, Tuesday, um, six days away. You've got Georgia Southern against Buffalo and, in the Camellia Bowl, and you've got Coastal Carolina against East Carolina. That's a nice matchup for them 
uh, in the Birmingham Bowl that evening. So, uh, you know, you got to – I would be surprised if um, the the Sun Belt doesn't come away. I mean, they're already off to a 3-0 and start. I mean, I, I think the Sun Belt's gonna. They might increase their all their their bowl winning percentage in recent years. I, I kind of like their chances of winning a lot of these games. So it could be another um, could be another bowl season, at least off to a, a rousing start for the Sun Belt to um, kind of you know be able to trumpet the results of the bowl matchups. Um, and then, you know, after the, you know, two, about a week from now and then going into the, the, the New Year's weekend, the really what we would call bigger bowls, Fiesta, uh, Michigan and TCU on New Year's Eve, that could be worth watching. Semifinal, obviously. Um, we haven't really, we'll start talking about those later, but. I, you know, I think most people think Michigan's just going to kind of run rough shot off of over TCU, but TCU's been surprising us all year long. And I don't know anybody really thinks Ohio State's got much of a shot against Georgia, but Ohio State has surprised us before in this matchup. So we'll, um, I don't think many people think that's going to be a close game. But, but, I, but I could see Michigan and TCU being a little better than than what a lot of people are uh, expecting it to be. So we'll um we'll see we'll follow the bowls and you know there's not a whole lot of other ones that are, you know, the the Alabama game. Eh, I'm not real. Let me see if there was one other game that I thought could be interesting uh matchup wise. I kind of like the matchup Oklahoma and Florida State. I I don't I don't I'd be surprised if Oklahoma stops them very much and there was one other matchup that looked interesting. You know, the Orange Bowl could be okay. Tennessee and Clemson. Alabama, Kansas State does not sound appealing. Uh, Obviously, the Mississippi State-Illinois game will be interesting just because of everything around the Mississippi State program. From a novelty standpoint, whether you're a Tulane, you hate Tulane or not, sure there's some old-school LSU people that hate Tulane, just Tulane versus USC. It's just such a bizarre Cotton Bowl matchup might be worth tuning in for, and plus that's an early game at one, and that's about it. The rest of the matchups, eh. I mean, like I always say, any game can turn out to be pretty good, but there's not too many of these um, other bowl matchups that um, are extra appealing. Like the Texas Bowl, it's normally a pretty entertaining game for whatever reason. Texas Tech and Ole Miss, that might be that might be a fairly entertaining game, but there's not too many of these that are, uh, you know, I'm sure Kansas is all fired up because they don't they don't get to play in many bowls. Um, Kansas and Arkansas, I guess it it, it it's fairly um, kind of uh, you know could be an interesting matchup. But uh, Wisconsin, they've kind of did not get it done this year. And Oklahoma State, I kind of feel like could handle them in that game. But we'll see. That's why. But, again, most of these bowls, it's not a whole lot riding on them. And there's not going to be a whole lot of analysis on them. But uh, I I think on paper, the TCU-Michigan one is going to be the one. If I could watch one, that's probably the one that – I would watch above all these other ones, the non-Cajun one I'm talking about, probably 
I think that's the one I'd pick. If I could only watch one, just because I want to see how TCU responds because they've, they've surprised people all year long. And I I think a lot of people think Michigan's just going to demolish them, but TCU's been proving people wrong all year. So I think that would be the game I would would see if I only could watch one of them. Um, and plus, I mean, I, I can remember when I was really little, the Fiesta Bowl didn't exist. But when they started playing the Fiesta Bowl, I think it pound for pound was the almost every year it seemed like was like among, if not the most exciting bowl. It always has been a good bowl. Just a lot of history, a uh, big history of a lot of really good games, dramatic moments, big performances. So I've always kind of, when I hear the Fiesta Bowl, I'm like, hmm, just just a lot of good games in the Fiesta Bowl. A lot of, some of these other bowls been blowouts here and there, but seem like a lot of memorable performance and great games in the Fiesta Bowl, and it wouldn't shock me if this year's is is the same. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll uh, get connected with Cody Juno. We got lots and lots to talk about, so we'll do that next with Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Speaking of great Christmas music, if you are you're not one who starts on Thanksgiving and you want to start about a week out from Christmas, well, not, we're within a week. So if you want to listen to all your favorite Christmas classics, local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel, nonstop Christmas music, 24-7, you can listen live on LACHristmasChannel.com or download your free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen to your Amazon Alexa. So listen to Holiday Cheer 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. All right, here's a man who is about to identify with Frosty the Snowman, Mr. Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter. How are you, sir? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great segue, my friend. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm trying to uh, to prepare for Friday. So, but we'll make it no matter what. You know, you and I were talking yesterday. I may look like the Michelin Man, but uh, but we'll do our best. So, would you say that the most miserable you've ever been doing this was an app two years ago, or? Um. So that one again. So that game you're talking about was the Friday night game. Uh, where it rained the entire time. There was a constant wind, and it was somewhere in the 30-degree-ish, and at times there were snow flurries falling. Probably so, but uh, the Cajuns won, so that game was not nearly as bad as it could have been. Right. From a um, from a sheer weather standpoint, you know, there have been a couple trips to South Al that have been really, really bad. Um but yeah, from a just when you add all of the elements being on top of a mountain, that's probably the one that stands out the most, no doubt. 
So it, uh, Raymond is telling me that it's possible the sun's going to be shining. So that I think that helps you mentally. It, well, it, 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 does it seem that way from where I'm sure you've analyzed this a lot closer than me? So the sun is expected to be shining. However, what we are not talking about, and you know, you'll be in a nice cozy press box where the windows don't open, um, is the fact that, yes, it's going to be really cold. But we are not talking nearly enough about the constant 10 to 15 mile an hour winds that are expected to be blowing over the course of the entire contest. That, to me, is where we're missing the boat here on the weather. All right, so are you going to have one of them masks on where all you can see is your eyes and your mouth or no? I, do, do. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's the plan. Yeah. I think the plan is to pack on as much as possible and then peel back as needed. Um, it is it, 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 It's going to be crazy. Now, it did hit me this morning that – it did hit me this morning that this wind could actually help the Cajuns. I, I, what, what, I mean, obviously, you're worried about your survival, and I get it, and you should be worried about your survival. But from a football <laughs> standpoint, from a football standpoint, it's possible that the bad weather could slow Houston's high-powered offense down some, correct? No, but, I mean, you're exactly right, right? The Cajuns are going to want to come in, establish the run, um, and really get that ground game going and then, you know, throw off of that. As whereas Houston and quarterback Clayton Toon, they're going to come in and try to establish the throw from the get-go, right? Dana Holgerson known for kind of those chunk-it-around type offenses. And so, yeah, I think we could see the, the weather and the wind specifically, you know, manage and factor into uh, to potentially the way Houston, you know, comes out and, and starts this game. And, and we'll see which way the wind's blowing and, you know, how, how much of an impact it does actually have outside of just making things colder. Uh, but, no, I think you're spot on. That's something to monitor for sure. Now, the the thing, and, again, I have not seen Houston play. You might have seen them play in a game earlier this year. But I'm just looking at statistics and the trend of the season. You know, once they lost to Tulane in October sometime, they their offense has been on an absolute roll. Like, you know, they're averaging like about 380 yards passing over those next seven games. And they had one or two where they went over 500 and this receiver, Dale, I don't – I mean, do you ever remember the Cajuns playing someone who had numbers like this? This guy has 103 catches for 1,354 yards and 15 touchdowns in 12 games. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, over the last couple of years, maybe not the last two, but probably prior to that, every time you played Arkansas State, you had somebody who was a, a true game changer outside, um, you know, at that position. I remember Justin Blackman uh, of Oklahoma State coming to Cajun Field, you know, I guess probably about a decade or so ago now, a little bit longer. Um, so, yeah, the Cajuns have seen it in the past, but, you know, that's going to be the challenge for Louisiana on, on Friday. It's, um, you know, I think bowl games, first and foremost, is who wants it more, right? And I think that the Cajuns certainly have that hunger. We'll find out about Houston, right? This was a team coming into the season that was talking about playing in the game that Tulane's playing in, right? They were talked about as being one of those New Year's Six teams, uh, and, and things kind of fell off the track for them. Really similar to the Cajuns, right? Got got off to a nice start, and then all of a sudden, kind of early to middle part of the year, things just kind of fell apart, and were able to get back on track later on. Um, you know, so for me, who wants it? But yes, that's certainly the combo to watch: is that that receiver uh, quarterback combination. Um, the quarterback. Um... 
he is a guy who's thrown for 3,800 yards and 37 touchdowns, but he's also tied for the league for the team's rushing leader at 489 yards. So, in other words, he's cap- that that's always a little scary to have a guy who can both throw it and run it. Yeah, one of those true dual threats. Cajuns haven't faced many of them this season. Um, and so, again, that's going to be another element to prepare for. And, you know, uh, you know, if we're going to be frank, not having a guy like Andre Jones is not going to help things for Louisiana. All right, so All right. Get, getting back to Dell, though, he's he's not like you mentioned Blackman and guys like that. This guy, uh, Dell, he's not like 6'2", 6'3", you know, kind of receiver. He's a short, quick guy. So he's a guy that doesn't necessarily run a lot of deep routes, but they throw short routes, and if you don't tackle him, he can go a long way. So how do you feel like the Cajuns match up defensively against a wide receiver like that? Uh, more like a Tyreek Hill guy without maybe quite as many deep routes, short, quick, and can you tackle him as opposed to, you know, like a Des Bryant or a, a bigger guy? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the challenge, right? You know, 15 touchdown receptions this season. Um, <laughs> you know, caught a touchdown in 10 games. Uh, I mean, just, you know, as you mentioned, it almost 1,400 yards and led the country with those 15 touchdowns. So, He's going, to, you know, he's the chore, right? He's the challenge. He's the guy you've got to circle. Now, I like, I think most of us like the Cajun secondary, especially from a tackling standpoint, right? At that safety position, specifically between Trahan and Podesco. Um, you know, we know what's seen from Eric, Eric Garrar outside. So, again, you know, nothing's going to surprise you either, right? So, you know what, you know what the game plan coming in is. And, and at the end of the day, it's break down and tackle a guy. You know, I, I, I think Braylon and Cam are tremendous tacklers, but they're not exactly flat-out track speedster guys. So I, hopefully the, the the freezing cold weather and the wind uh, can can slow them up a little bit because, it you know, this guy sounds like a track guy. Yeah, again, now easier said than done. But keep yeah. everything in front of you, right? Don't let anybody get behind you and, um, and, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. You know, this is not something we deal with a lot covering the Cajuns or even the Saints most of the time. So, yeah, 20 degree weather, you're right. So, but the whole whether you've got the win in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, I mean, that could play into this game. Oh, no doubt. And so we'll see what, um, you know, again, what direction is the wind blown? Is it a crosswind? Is it going with the length of the football field one way or the other once we, uh, once we get there on Friday? But, um, you know, I mean, we saw it kind of in that first quarter at Texas State, and then the wind died down. But there's been a few times where the wind's kind of been a factor. And then there's been other times uh, where we thought the wind would play a much bigger role, and it ended up really not happening at all. The other thing that could really be an issue in this game, especially with the bad weather and the wind you're talking about, is the kicking game. Like, that could be scary in a kicking game. Kicking game is always one of those things where, you know, weather, but – Again, from a specialist perspective, and you know, have it pay too much attention to the Cougar specialists. Um, and when it comes to punting the football, Cajuns have one of the better punters in, in, in all of America, and, and Reese Burns, a senior, and, and so we'll see that. And look, as, as far as you know, field goals versus touchdowns, again, weather may dictate you know how hard or, or easy it is to move the football one way or the other. But at the end of the day, you got to score touchdowns if you're going to beat Houston on Friday. By the way, uh, just to fill in some gaps here, Houston's got has had two guys kicked this year. Uh, they are a combined thirteen for nineteen 
uh, on field goals, and their punter is averaging 44-6 uh, with a long of, uh, of 67 and, 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 um, and nine of them above 50. So fairly similar, I would think, to the numbers that Reese has. So uh, the kicking numbers, anyway, on paper look very similar, very comparable to what the Cajuns have done this year. But also things like can you make field goals, but like, Block punts and uh, those kind of and and big, big and, returns. We've seen the kick, Cajun return yes. game, especially the punt return game, and which I know you hate fielding punts, uh, but but it's been a lot of good things for Louisiana this season. Yeah, Eric Eric Guerra, as much as I like him, he 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 can at times be one of the especially when the offense is struggling a little bit. Uh, Eric Guerra returning a punt, I I would uh, I, I could endorse a whole lot more than a lot of other situations. All right, to me though, besides the weather, and again, it's very important issue, no question, football wise and, and and otherwise. But to me, the number one question for the going into this game for the Cajuns is Michael Jefferson's not playing. And when you look, Michael Jefferson has no doubt been the best offensive player on this team. He has 810 receiving yards and seven touchdowns this season. The number two, the next target with the next best total is 277, and that's a tight end. I mean, the best wide receiving number in yards is 237. How are the Cajuns going to effectively run an offense without Michael Jefferson? Well, okay, you know, you, you've got – John Stevens Jr., who uh, is is he playing? I don't even see him listed on the on the depth chart here. Uh, okay, there he is at the top. Sorry. And is this the Lance LeJean coming out party? Right? Is this where he takes that step? We've been wanting to see it. We saw a little bit of it in that that final drive at, at Texas State. Um, but you know, you've got plenty of capable wide receivers. I do think uh, the absence of Dante Fleming is, you know, you you certainly like to have him. And of course, he's now off to to, to Tulane and. Um, you know, but look, the Cajuns, we know this can spread the football around. And so, yes, you may not have that one go-to guy, but, we'll, you know, can Peter LeBlanc step up? Um, you know, and then you've got the tight ends and Neil Johnson and Johnny Lumpkin and, and Pierce Meagle. And, again, moving the football underneath maybe a little bit more than those deep shots down the field. Look, I've been trying to get Neil Johnson to be a number one target for this team for three years, and it's never worked out. Another uh, disappointing I mean, he, he, you know, I'm not blaming Neil. I just think it's a function of the offense. But he had 22 catches for 277 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, could this be a game where Neil Johnson catches eight or nine balls for 110 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah, I think it's quite possible, right? He's that big body to maybe, you know, help. And again, replace is not the right word. Pick up some of that slack without a, a Michael Jefferson. Keep in mind, the last time these two teams played, now you got to go all the way back to 2006, it was a kind of seldom-used tight end coming out of nowhere, Kevin Belton making a phenomenal one-handed touchdown catch that lifted the Cajuns to victory. So we'll see what uh, what Friday has in store. And that was, again, that was – I rem- I was not at that game. I remember exactly where Ooh, I was. You missed, in the you aver- missed a good one. Yeah, I remember listening to the game on the radio at work and uh, the advertiser back then and uh, exactly where I was in the office and – no, it was a it was a tremendous a tremendous victory for the Cajuns, and you know they hadn't had too many road wins in a while against you know a, a good team on the road, and and so that was a tremendous victory. Um, 
The other thing that I think is going to need to happen for the Cajuns is run the football. Now, while we've been talking glowingly, and we should talk glowingly about Houston's offense, their defense has given up about 30 points a game. So it's not like teams have not moved the football on them. And I I don't know how the Cajuns' passing game is going to be. I got to tell you, I'm very skeptical of it. But the running game should be pretty good. And it's gotten better, right? As the season has progressed, it was non-existent early on, but it's gotten better week by week. And, and so we'll see what that can, um, you know, what that holds over and carries over to, to, to Friday. Again, for me, bowl games, handle the emotions early, right? Get off to a good start, control the football, and then settle down as the game goes on. And then ultimately some of these games become about who wants it more. And so, uh, you know, I think if the case get off to a good start and then settle down from there, you know, they'll, they'll have an opportunity uh, as, as we roll around to the fourth quarter. I have really grown to like Draylon Washington's game, and don't you think he's more of a of a guy in bad weather that could really make an impact? I I, I mean, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen? All these guys they haven't played in a month, but it seems like if I was going to predict a guy who could have a big game, yep. Draylon Washington seems to fit. Yeah, he seems to be the guy who's kind of settled in there and, and taken over things, right? And 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 so. Um, I agree with you, right? I think he's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting between the tackles early on. You know, Terrence has really has been a, a productive inside runner, but he doesn't have that. I can go to distance maybe on the other side of of a five or six yard run if Houston doesn't good a good doesn't do a good job of bringing him to the ground. Yeah, look, look again. I think Draylon, you know, has has kind of stepped up to be that number one back for the Cajuns with Terrence and then we know what Chris Smith is, what Chris Smith is, excuse me, can he can he get that one final big hitter uh, in his final game as a Cajun? The other thing is Chandler Fields. You know, he didn't play, got off to a slow start, then he got hurt, didn't play in the middle of the season. He came late. He had a good second half or fourth quarter in Tallahassee and, you know, led a victory and hit a couple big plays in San Marcos. So how comfortable are you that he's ready? And then now he hadn't played in a month. So it's just like, like you just kind of getting a little bit of a rhythm and here we go again. No, no games for five, four or five weeks. So how how do you kind of see him or feel about Chandler? Just seemed like he's never been able to get into a real good rhythm all season. No, but again, you know, coming back up to that first start at Florida state and, once he kind of settled down and got just back into playing, again, neither one of those guys is looking over their shoulder anymore, right? This is Chandler's game. Um, and, and so I just think that that's a big key. And I think, you know, that's – you talk to the coaches, they would tell you they have to go back and do things over in the beginning of the season. They would have certainly handled, I think, the quarterback situation very different. And so I think the fact of, okay, hey, look, go out, play. Let's make a play. If, if we screw up, whatever, nobody's come and take my spot, so to say, right? And so I think mentally that's just a big thing for, for any quarterback, frankly. Uh, and so I think, again, you know, I've said it a couple times, and I'll say it again, who handles the emotions of the beginning of the football game the best will put themselves in a much better position to close things out in the end. All right. So I'm assuming, I mean, is your game plan to get out there early and get used to it or get used to the call or just – be in the warm as long as possible and then just go out on the field when you absolutely have to. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Bring down a big giant cup of coffee with me and, um, yes, and, and go from there. You think they're going to price gouge the um, 
the uh, the hot chocolate in the stadium? Uh, you know what? If they wanted to, they could. Absolutely. <laughs> All righty, sir. Well, I hope I get to see you. Could um, I don't know? Give you any amount of encouragement I can sometime yep. on game day on Friday. <laughs> I mean, death taxes and bad weather for the Independence Bowl. Yes, it's just one of those one of those things of life. Absolutely, sir. We appreciate your time. Uh, take care. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. I'll see you Friday. All right, Cody Judo, Cajun sideline reporter. Look, it, it's it's funny now, but it's not going to be funny Friday. Oh man. Oh, we'll see what happens. But hopefully, you heard Cody say it. When they won it app two years ago, as miserable, that's how that's how kind of demented we all are. When our team wins, we can put up with a lot. So they won it was a miserable weather and 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 in its weather conditions at app two years ago on that Friday evening in late November. But they won, so he was okay with it. So if they win the game, I think he'll be okay. If they lose and you freeze to death, oh. That's a giant muy mucho pabon situation there. All right, we will take a timeout, come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 60. Debating whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not is pointless. Die Hard is awesome. So go ahead and sit back and watch John McClane kick butt. This helpful holiday tip is brought to you by your family at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. If you're Make your life easier with your Alexa or Google Home speaker with things like lights and thermostats and so much more. Why not do the same thing with the game? Just ask your Alexa and Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles with you at your home, office, everywhere you go. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Just want to call and wish you a Merry Christmas, buddy. Well, I appreciate that very much. How you doing? Well, when I was little like you, this would be the time of the year that that Sears catalog would be absolutely worn out. Yes. Right? Right. Huh? Right. Waiting yeah. for that electric football, hoping that electric football set would be under that Christmas tree, right, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. That that that, uh-huh. that is true. That's good stuff. Now, um, you know, I I I obviously have great memories of, of Christmas and, and doing that kind of stuff. But I mean, I, I mean, sure, you bowl games were bigger back then, weren't they? The, the what was bigger? The bowl games, like looking forward to bowl oh, games. Absolutely, absolutely. The blue bonnet bowl. Oh yeah, on Christ- oh, man, New Year's a, Eve. That- that was a wonderful game, but uh, you know, whatever the uh, yeah, that 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 blue bonnet bowl seemed to always be on Christmas Eve. Oh well, no, it, on the Mislu television, like the people, the young fans today, they, they they just don't know what they miss, and they never saw nah, the Mislu television no, no. network. Got no idea what you missed. <laughs> but Kevin, let me ask you one thing though: the goalposts on that electric football set was what? What, what would you say? Three, four inches wide. <laughs> Yeah, something huh? like that. Something like that, yes, sir. Okay, and then you kick the ball 
went at least four or five feet in the air and lasted, you know, landed about four or five feet behind the uh, uh, field. How did you possibly know if that split the upright? <laughs> I tell you what, it sure seemed like it went through more than when Will Lutz does lately. <laughs> I mean, it would take more than this that we play to tell if that was good. You need forensics to tell if that thing was good. But let me ask you, know? you, Al Larry, you've been watching sports. Have you ever seen anybody do something as dumb as what Mark Ingram did in Tampa a few weeks ago? Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't see the game, Cap. Oh. I didn't see I heard you talking about it, but uh, you know, you just got to shake that off, Kevin. Move on. <laughs> it's hard. It's you hard. Know, I mean, it's hard. had a good year, my man. No, I, I understand. I understand. Now, speaking of that, uh, what is your impressions while I got you of the of the hot stove and the impressions and what the Yankees have done and what, um, you know, other teams did? Well, what have the Yankees done? What have the Yankees done that's going to that's gonna ensure me that it's going to take less than 90 innings to have a lead going into an inning because we, we played Houston for 90 innings and never had the lead to start an inning until inning. It was either inning 90 or 91. Well, but again, if, Did you Rod- realize that, if yeah, no, absolutely. But if, if Rodon can pitch like he did this year, that's a huge boost. Sure it is. Sure it is. But that's a big if. <laughs> well, you know? I get it. No, no. So you're not encouraged. Houston is set because they got young farm system pitching that they don't have to spend a lot of money on. That's That's what Tampa's been doing for quite some time, and they've been well fixed up. Man, I mean, there's so much that you can do when you have that young pitching like that and you don't have to spend a lot of money on it. That's true. So everybody else trying to play catch up. Kevin, you have a wonderful Christmas, buddy. I'll be talking to you soon. You too. Good hearing from you. Thank you for calling. Always love talking to Larry, for sure. It's um. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I, before uh, Friday, I know I'm able to talk to you. I just wanted to uh, let you know it was good knowing you. Because um, I ain't gonna make it in this 19 degree weather. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> they go go ahead and wrap me up. Man, you worse me than me. I, I'm not gonna make it, Kev. <laughs> There's no way. I'm going to have to bring a pot of gumbo just for my feet outside. So what's the coldest you've ever played golf in? Oh, my gosh. We had a, uh, a club championship at Muni one year. And listen, I, I know a couple of guys, the, the heads of their golf clubs, like their drivers were cracking. It, it was that cold. I couldn't, I mean, two holes, I went straight back. After number two, I walked straight back to the club office. <laughs> Go ahead and put me down for whatever y'all want. Uh, yeah, I, I ain't going to make it Friday, Kev. Good knowing y'all, man. Have, Merry Christmas and all that. All right. Merry Christmas. The man said he's not going to make it. I think he's got a better chance of making it than Cody does. We'll see. But, no, I'm not. I'm not. Not really into all this cold weather. But have you seen, like, what is the – well, you're not going to be here. You're going to be on the lake. But – is the, is it going to be warm up for Christmas or is it still going to be extra cold like this for Christmas day? I wonder. Um, and he out here? Yeah, here. Let's see. I mean, Let's it probably see. won't be that different in Slidell than it will be here. So, well, for me in Pens, I'll be in Pensacola. Oh, that's come true. Come Thursday until Sunday. You're fleeing the state. I'm fleeing the state, the whole state, and it's still going to be cold where I'm going. 
But it says for our area, it has for Saturday is Christmas Day? Yes. Sunday. So, Sunday. So, it says a high of 43 and a low of 29, and it has for Christmas Eve, a high of 38 and a low of 23. Man, mm, we yeah. normally do that. Go outside and Christmas Eve night and look at the lights. You're in your car now. You get in the car, you drive around. Yeah, but even in the car... Maybe I can talk them out of that, but I don't know. Because this would be 10 and 9 miles per hour uh, wind on Saturday and Sunday. stay in the house, look at lights on TV, (laughs) play games or whatever, and not make that trip into Never Never Land in the freezing cold, icy conditions. That's my my spiel anyway. You think I got a shot? I think you got a shot, but their argument's going to be, well... There's heat in the car, so you could be warm that way. If you're still cold, put on a jacket and pants. It's going to be there. I mean, I'm trying to get to I'm, where we... Uh, I'm trying. I'm going to try anyway. Trying to make Oreo balls with Denise. I think it's my plan to, to do that and play some kind of games. That's Oreo that's balls? Yeah. I like Oreos. They're way better than chocolate chips. We've yeah, gone down that before. You use a, a food processor and you process, you get the Oreos chopped up very fine as if there's like powder mm-hmm. and then you put in a thing of cream cheese and you mix it until it comes like a little ball inside the food processor and you cover them with a little you, you make your own balls out of that and you may put, cover them in chocolate cool if you're successful save me one that I'll sounds so. good oh yeah they're that fantastic it's my mom's favorite dessert to make for things and my oh, no, band director at me all the time i think i can i think i can do that that I'm sounds good all right we'll take a time out Look, it's probably not good that I start thinking about Saturday and Sunday yet because I got to get there first. And we got a long way to go before we can get there. A lot to do. Got bowl games and National Signing Day and all kind of crazy stuff going on between now and Saturday. But as they say, if the Lord stays the same, I'm going to really enjoy it for sure. All right. We will take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Frosty the snowman That's Cody. For the rest of the week, every time I think of, I hear that song, Frosty the Snowman, I'm going to think of our friend Cody. Oh. I, I know I'm, you know, sounds like I'm laughing, but I'm really sympathizing. I really, really, really am. I feel very bad for him. Yeah, really, really am sympathizing for for um for Cody. All right, want to remind you if you would like a good stocking stuffer or just you need a break from all the holiday hubbub, you need to join the game clubhouse. One zero three seven thegamecom and one zero four one thegamecom You could score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. But you can't win any of those great prizes or others if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. All right, so tomorrow is National Signing Day. Again, we talked about it. LSU's got about 25 commitments. I I don't have a good – I don't know how many of them are going to sign tomorrow. I would, you know, certainly guess, like anybody would, that the vast majority of them will sign tomorrow. 
there might be a handful or a little less than that that don't. We'll see. The Cajuns are expected to sign. The last time I had a number was about 22. I think about 22 tomorrow and then maybe another you know, 21-22 tomorrow and then another 4 or 5 on, on in February. We'll see how that plays out. You just, you know, again, the majority of them are gonna, that have committed are going to, the vast majority are going to sign. But there's always one or two or three that wait and, you know, think might change their mind between now and February or maybe someone else who has not yet committed tries to go somewhere else and then it doesn't work out for them and they come back and sign. So we'll wait and see. But. It looks like there'll be about 22 that sign tomorrow or at least are expected to, and we'll see if they all do. Again, that's it's it's largely a formality, but we've had people who switched on the last day before, and so we'll hold out and see if that's going to be the case here or not. But um, it's it's gotten to the point where there's not a lot that really happens on February, that first Wednesday in February, which used to be everything. A lot of it is now happening here. I think some kids love the whole recruiting thing. Others are like, okay, let's just get this over with so I can move on with, you know, some of them play basketball or whatever they're they're moving on to or just want to get that part over with before Christmas and can kind of get it all established, and then some people have, and that's understandably so, the whole bird-in-hand mentality of it all. So we'll be talking as they come in tomorrow, letting you know when some of those become official, and um, and then we'll be able to review it all when, you know, on Thursday show. And, again, there will not be a Friday show or next Monday, so we're going to be having – little bit of time before Christmas and right after Christmas where we won't have shows. So we'll be able to review the signing day. And and that is what it is. I mean, a lot of guys who are highly, highly, highly thought of on National Signing Day don't turn out to be as good as you think or don't do anything. And then other kids who are even don't even get to signing day but are, are not are a little lesser spoken of on signing day turn out to be great. So we'll review all of that on Thursday. Appreciate all the phone calls. Cody coming on, Coach Murphy, y'all have a nice day.